This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What is going on, Wildcatters? This week, we sat down with our buddies over at Intertel. We've been trying to get them on the show for quite a while, but they've been in stealth mode and wanted to maintain a low profile, but they finally gave in. We really love what these guys are working on, and we've actually used their product. We've been a client of theirs uh, over the past year, and I think it's really unique. You know, Fred has a, has a really cool CIA background. John has a, has a finance background in oil and gas, and together, that helped them kind of craft some really cool technology that I don't think there's truly any substitutes for. Uh, but really quickly, before we get into the episode... This episode is brought to you by TopTal, and we are super excited to partner with these guys. So if you don't know what TopTal is, TopTal is an exclusive network of top freelance software developers, designers, finance experts, product managers, and project managers in the world. So what's different about TopTal is the rigorous screening process and white glove matching service to help you find exactly what you're looking for. Hiring top talent is always a challenge. It's hard to find the right people for the job in time for important projects. For new startups, time is of the essence, and trust me when I say you can't afford to make any bad hires. Finding the right people to help you turn your vision into a reality is probably the hardest part of running a startup. But TopTal isn't just for startups. It's also used by the biggest companies in the world. So if you're looking to hire some freelancers to help with your latest project or you would just want to hire the best, go check out TopTal. We've put our referral link in the show notes below to help you get started, or you can just reach out directly to us and we'll put you in touch with the guys over there. What's going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome back to another episode of the Willing Gas Startups Podcast. This one's different. This one's different. Usually we have no clue what people do when they come in here and they sit down with us. Uh, we know these guys pretty well. So Colin, who we got today? Yeah, this podcast has been a long time in the making. We got Fred and Jonathan with Intertel. How you guys doing? Doing well. How are doing you? great. Good. Well, it's good to get you guys on the show finally. So tell us a little bit about what Intertel does first off. Let's Let's break the ice there. Yeah, so we're uh, we're a data analytics company focused in oil and gas, and, and essentially just making uh, publicly available data more insightful. Just getting intelligence out of data that everybody has access to, and, and uh, making decisions faster, better, easier. Yeah. So to add on that, you guys are just kind of like a layer to a drilling info or a well database, you're taking the information that those guys provide and then you're layering analytics on top of that. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, the data, you know, the biggest data point for us is every company we walk into has a data subscription, whether it is well database or drilling info or RS or IHS, we can walk into it, plug in top of that and provide analytics that's, you know, everybody has access to. And, and you guys, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out how you exactly um, I guess, kind of brand yourself, but you guys are more focused on the finance side of oil and gas rather than the engineers and the geologists and stuff, right? Well, I'd say it's probably both. I mean, when John and I got started, one of the reasons is we didn't find in the marketplace really a solution that we wanted. So we wanted to basically have the full engineering rigor doing all your decline curve analysis and all that mm -hmm. work tied in with a full financial suite all on one platform. And then with, with a lot of their folks out there, you get the engineering side, like the decline curve piece, then you're dumping into old Excel programs. You're having to deal with an Aries or something like that. And we wanted to make a one sweet package. So 
we we do work with engineers at, at operators. We also do a lot of work for hedge funds and the financial community as well. Yeah, let's talk about y'all's backgrounds too. Jonathan, I actually <laughs> don't even know what your background is. I think you might have told me, but I think Fred... Fred, you were like CIA or something, weren't you? Something yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, can't, I can't confirm or deny <laughs> yeah. what I was, but I'm, I'm X, or they say you're never X, but I'm X CIA. Yeah, so I'm, I'm an electrical engineer, and um, I worked my first 13 years for the CIA undercover doing technical operations around the world. And I uh, got kind of burned out doing that and decided to go work for Enron on a trading floor. So that was sort of my transition from from the agency to, to Enron. And then, That's a hell of a transition. Well, I didn't want to do the same thing. Like a lot of people leave the agency and they go to the defense contractors or the intelligence community as a contractor and do that work, Booz Allen or whoever it might be. Mm-hmm. I want to do something completely different and had an opportunity to enter on. I'd never even heard of Enron. I said, hey, this sounds cool, a trading floor. I know nothing about that, so let's give it a shot. <laughs> so. is, that, is that, I mean, they just gave you a, an entry-level position there on the trading floor? I mean, that seems like something, you know, it's a pretty – different job, right? Um, no, it's completely different. So. Yeah, it was interesting. I wasn't entry level. So when, when I came in, the, the guy who hired me, he was, uh, he came out of the nuke school and all, but he's a, a really smart guy. And he, it's going to be kind of a strange story, but he brought me in there and he said, I need somebody who's been around the block. He goes, look out on my trading floor, all these MBA, he had a word for it, but he was looking at all these MBA guys. He goes, all they want to do is eat my lunch and take my job. He goes, somebody needs to control these guys. He goes, I'll teach you how to trade. You manage these guys. <laughs> so that's kind of how it started. Awesome. Uh, and then Jonathan, what's your background? I feel like I should have gone first because it's it's nowhere near as uh, interesting Dude, as that. It, it's hard to beat. Just spice, CIA, it, spice it up a little bit. <laughs> Actually, I started in a, in a consulting risk management role outside of college um, where I first met Fred, uh, working primarily for finance community as well as oil and gas did that for a few years and decided to jump ship straight into oil and gas. I moved to Houston, joined a private equity back the NP company in a finance role and did that for a few years, joined an analytics startup, got a, got a feel for that. And then Fred and I met up again and decided Intertel had a, had a, a future. So what was the genesis of Intertel? You know, what, what led you guys to form, form this product and this company and decide to go that way? I would say the one main thing was I was on the, I was on the customer side working with some clients and I needed a, a data analytics product that could handle the full engineering plus the financial side. And I went to everybody in the marketplace that provides that type of service and couldn't get what I wanted. So John and I were sitting down basically over a beer and said, "Hey, there's a there's a place in the market for this. Nobody's doing it this way." And we said, "Let's give it a shot." And that's kind of how we got started. Yeah. And you know, one thing I've seen y'all's platform and one thing that really sticks out about it is the, you know, the dashboards, it looks really pretty. I think Jonathan takes credit for some of the design (laughs) elements, you know, making it look good. And that's one thing that really sticks out is that you're taking complex information and, you know, really kind of boiling it down into a form that people can quickly understand. So you, you guys, it's built out in Spotfire, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. So when you guys, you know, how, how are you guys operating? I know that you've been doing a lot of consulting work, you know, with the financial firms, PE, investment banks, whoever it may be. Is there any intention to release the platform uh, to general use or are you guys going to keep operating under this uh, consulting um, model? Well, we started really pushing out, uh, I think back in October, uh, I gave a, a presentation at, at a, one of the TIPCO events. It's uh, the creators of Spotfire. Um, and that was our, our first time really kind of going out to the market with this this platform. So now we've we realized we have a, a differentiated product that's not just the engineering side, but it's also the 
the economics and then, you know, full other data intelligence, just being able to get to investable insights really quickly using the data you already have access to. So uh, we really started going to market back in October, end of October. And then now, yeah, we're starting to push it out into the main marketplace, starting to approach ENPs and, and <clears throat> midstream and a few other companies. So it's been, it's been great. We've been growing fast. So for the, so for people who are listening, so from the time that you guys decided, hey, over beers, we're going to create this product in Intel, uh, how did you guys make the decision on landing on Spotfire to create that? Or was that even your first version of of Quantum? Yeah, so uh, our, our, our product is called, yeah, it's called Quantum. Um, and, and Spotfire has always been kind of at the heart of what we wanted to go out and, and build around because it has great statistical back end. Uh, machine learning back end. So, you know, depending on how advanced I want to take my analytics, it's a it's a great platform to build around. And when I walk into a, an oil and gas company, there's a 99% chance they're mm-hmm. using Spotfire. So we're not just giving them something that's going to accelerate their analytics, but it's something they can build on top of that as well. So it's 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 been a great, great tool for us to, to yeah. use. And leverage. How, how important is that? You know, a lot of people that are listening may not be familiar with Spotfire. How important is it to be able to integrate? You know, you said that 99% of EMPs are going to have Spotfire. I mean, is this a product that, you know, they can just kind of bring right into their ecosystem if they're using Spotfire already? Yeah, it's it's something, you know, day one availability and and ex- expanding on on their capabilities. So it's it's not it's not another web platform they have to live and 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 learn and and kind of use for a while before they get a hang of it. Chances are there's already people at their organization that understand the platform and how to use it. Um, so that's, that's, it's been really kind of a, a great tool to, to use just because there's already familiarity with it. I would, I would take a bet, you know, we had uh, Mark Bohorts with Q engineering, obviously they just exited in various, but you know, he attributed a lot of their, their growth and their adoption to the fact like what you just said, all these oil and gas companies already had Spotfire, And so for them, it was just come in, bolt it in. You're not having to sell them on an entirely new suite of products. You're just adding on to the existing infrastructure. And it makes it so much easier as opposed to, eh, we need to rip out your existing legacy stuff. We need to put something entirely new in, right? Exactly. And, and, and we never really wanted to be in a position where we're selling software to engineers. We're selling an extension of something they're already using. We just, you know, we're, we're building in Spotfire, but it's also something they've never seen done in Spotfire. So it's, it has that unique cool factor, but it's also something they're, they're comfortable with. Yeah. So when you guys linked up, you had the idea, how did you guys actually execute it and carry it out? Because, you know, from technical standpoint, was it Fred over here using CIA knowledge to code it up? Was it you, you know, you're a finance guy. How did you guys actually start bringing the product uh, to life? Well, I'll start with the, I'll, I'll try to use the CIA part. You know, when John and I worked together before, we were doing commercial intel for the oil and gas community and the finance community around it kind of an offshoot from some of the things we were doing at Enron, but it was really trying to make people smart with better information so they make better decisions. And one of the things I've seen in analytics, particularly when you start talking big data and data analytics, is people don't think about where the data comes from. It's just put the data in, crank it out, out comes the sausage, and and here we go. And information and actual intelligence are things that most people don't understand. And I think it's one of the things data analytics needs to focus on is What's the quality of my data? Where's my data come from? Is it circular in nature? You know, studies have shown the more data people get more confidence, but actually they become more or less accurate. So people just want to do data, data, data. And so our philosophy up front was whatever we're doing has to drive smarter decision making. And that was sort of the overarching framework of what we wanted to get done. Mm-hmm. 
And how are you guys, I mean, it seems that over the last, you know, three or four years, EMPs are really starting to take a deeper look at analytics and, and data. From y'all's perspective, you know, what are you, what are you seeing? Are you seeing a lot of EMPs starting to look for these types of solutions? I think so because it's it it ends up being an efficiency game for for a lot of them and you know you're you're dealing with with an industry that's that's you know unfortunately had a, had a lot of layoffs in, in the past few years and so everybody's trying to do more with with less uh, or at least do the same with less and so giving them tools that enable them to all be more efficient and and get to answers quicker without having to you know use a dozen different programs or, or tools or have to go to a you know, a variety of different uh, skill sets within the organization, you're, you're empowering one person or a team of people to do more of that workflow. Um, so it's, it's for us, we, we've seen a lot of, you know, companies really, really latch onto this efficiency. How would you, without being too PC, let's keep it real here. How would you kind of grade most EMPs in their analytical capabilities? Uh, Probably, as I mean, it, it really, it, it's a gamut. I mean, it, it ranges so broadly from company A to company Z. Mm-hmm. Um, on average, they're probably around a C, maybe a, a C plus. Um, part of it is is just, you know, sitting down with groups that have access to everything that they need to make decisions. A lot of them are in data silos, so just breaking down those data silos, connecting them to, you know, broader parts of the organization, um, and, and a lot of it's just getting people to do multiple job functions. And so, uh, you know, if you provide them a tool that allows them to do not just the engineering, but the financial modeling and hand somebody essentially a finished product for them to, you know, check a box, it's great. And it, it gets them involved in more of that workflow, more of that investment decision. Um, I had a friend, uh, great guy. He worked at one of the largest independent EMPs up until recently, and he was a petroleum engineer by trade and then really dove heavy into the analytics side, um, you know, when did some courses and certificates, and then he took over essentially a project for this EMP. Uh, and he said, we have all these great tools and stuff, but like you said, it was these data silos. He said, I spend 80% of my time beating my head against the keyboard because they won't give me access to the data that I need. Yeah. And he's like, and it's the same. He's like, it's not just me, but it's everybody else who's doing anything having to do with data science at the entire organization. And so it's like, we, we have all the tools, but we don't have the information, the data to actually turn that into any kind of decisions. Well, that's what, that's what, you know, the joke is amongst data scientists is that, you know, we're, we're not really doing data science 80 to 90% of the time in our day-to-day work is just manipulating data, getting data into a clean, you know, a clean state that we can actually throw into a model. So it's, you know, it's, it's not as, is fancy and, and, you know, this, this it's rocket more data. science, it's, it's more data. data. Ag- yeah. It's data engineering and yeah. ag- aggregation. I feel like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of companies that are coming out with great things that are aggregating data, but I feel like not many people have actually, we haven't seen a major step change in data cleansing technology. And I feel like it's often overlooked because I feel like that's where we spend a ton of our time. Well, I think, uh, this, this industry, uh, we have a benefit of, of having access to so many companies to provide all this public data. Uh, I mean, if, if I'm a, a Target or a Walmart, I'd love to have all my competitors publish into a state agency every single month, all of their sales. You just, you don't have the access to the data that we do in the oil and gas industry. Uh, but I think we've also taken it for granted and we're, we're, you know, we're not responsible for aggregating and cleaning all that data. So we take it at face value when it's provided to us uh, and it kind of stops there. And when, when you're talking about data science, you know, a lot of your, your real insights come from the feature engineering. So taking the data you have and creating new variables that might be 
causal or have causal relationships to performance uh, and creating those variables. And if you're given data and you're not used to kind of diving in and cleaning and uh, manipulating that data, you just, you, you'll, you'll never have that experience and that, that benefit. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that a value proposition for Intertel and the fact that you guys, you know, you're so familiar with the data in different basins and you've seen so much of it that you're able to kind of make sense of what you're looking at? Is that, I mean, is that a driver for you guys? Well, I, I mean, I would certainly say that um, having experience, knowing what you're looking at, each basin is different, is, is key. But I think part of it, too, is trying to understand what people are trying to do. We've done so much consulting work with oil and gas companies and the financial oil and gas guys that a lot of times we know the questions they need to be asking because of prior work we've done for them. And sometimes you can lead them down that path. So maybe the data they're looking at or what the solution they're trying to get isn't really the right way to go, but there's a better way to do that. And we'll kind of nudge them along and, and try to help them get that way. What are some of the examples of decisions that you guys are trying to enable companies to make with Quantum? Really, it's it's figuring out uh, what what to drill, when to drill it, and and in some instances how to how to drill and complete a well, um, high grading or, or low grading acreage. Figuring out what assets or companies to pursue in in M and A. Um, you know, a lot of it just is is trying to find also uh, who's doing what you're doing better than you are. And, mm-hmm. and so many companies just kind of view the, the field myopically. They're not really paying attention to what others are doing. They're, they're very focused on their own operations. So just kind of broadening that, that lens for them and, and giving them more opportunity just through, through competitor insights. Now, and I think one other thing is just purely the valuation side. In, in the environment right now, everybody wants to know, what is this really worth? What is this company worth? What is that asset worth? And be able to screen that and do full economic roll-ups and look at those assets and come up with that answer quickly and efficiently allows people to screen a lot more deals, a lot more opportunities and determine what they want to do, whether they want to, you know, whether it's the A&D world, M&A or any of that part. So let's unpack that a little bit. Cause what I'm seeing, especially on say like the PDP side is the, the ask is, I don't know, like 40, $50,000 a BOE. Maybe you can get a little bit lower than that, but the bid is 10 to $15,000 a BOE. So how are you guys seeing people evaluate assets today? It, it depends on, on who you're talking to, whether it's a, an analyst at a hedge fund. Yeah. Um, you know, for them, there is no there is no BOE. It's it's barrels of oil that they're concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else is just kind of noise. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. uh, and especially and, these gas prices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it it really it it depends whether you're doing an internal valuation and trying to look at what your reserves are, or from an M and A perspective, you know, how little can I pay for this asset. And still, you know, be a, still be able to make a return on it because I have my own investors, and um, so it's it, it really ranges uh, depending on, on who you talk to. How do the clients differ for for you guys? You know, what's the difference between a financial institution and a EMP? You know, the types of things that they're looking for from you guys. How does that differ? I'd be interested to know. The the financial institutions are great because they uh, they're they're problem solvers at, at heart. Um, and, and, in the hedge fund space alone, it's, it's a meritocracy. Um, so they're, they're rewarded by being better than their peers. And so being able to find edges in the market through analytics, through just access to data, uh, ends up being a, a big differentiator between their performance and their peer performance. So they, they approach problems in, in a very, uh, great way where they're always looking for something new, something, some new edge, uh, that, that they can find in, in the data, whereas, 
depending on, on the level of complexity with a company you're dealing with, you know, it, it, can, it can be all over the place. Some companies are great. It, you know, they understand where they're doing things well and they understand where, you know, they might be doing things poorly. Whereas some companies, as you know, will drill themselves in a bankruptcy pretty quickly and just, you know, have never have a second thought. Actually got a blog post dropping on the website today about uh, energy fintwits uh, analysis of widening. So there's a perfect example if you guys want to check out. So by the time this episode goes out, yeah. <laughs> it'll <laughs> been out for a while. So go check it out. <laughs> So, you know, moving forward, I think that, you know, I've always over the past few years kind of had this vision of where EMPs become tech companies that happen to produce oil and gas. And obviously a big piece of this is how can we manipulate data um, to make better decisions and be more efficient across our assets. For you guys, do you see... You know, do you see a lot of geologists and engineers starting to kind of move that way to where they're becoming more analytical minded as well? Or is it still really kind of operational based for them? I think you're you're seeing a actually a really interesting shift with the engineering role. Your typical engineer is now trying to learn Python and R and other languages and they're they're trying to be um, more techno technological you know, savvy individuals and in, in learning uh, new, you know, new ways to do things. And, and it might just be the younger mindset where, you know, uh, you talk to an engineer that's in their fifties or sixties that you know, we've been doing it this way and it works. So why, you know, why change it? Whereas I think some of the younger engineers that are coming in, they're finding efficiencies just through technology and, you know, you can call it laziness, but I, I call it efficiency in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If I can automate my job, why not? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So kind of going back to Intertel's story, you know, you built this technology, you've got a great business model that's been working out for you guys. Really quickly, when, what, what year did you guys have beers yeah. and decide to found this? Right about two years ago. Two okay. years ago. Yeah. Okay. So you've been in the game for two years. How did you guys approach the the model? Did you first, did you guys bootstrap it? Did you raise capital? Um, obviously your go-to-market strategy was to get some of these financial institutions and start doing some consulting work. So are you just growing within cash flow? you know? Give us some yeah. background on how you guys approach that. So, so originally when we were putting it together, we looked at it and said, do we need to raise a little bit of capital to give us some, to give us a runway to build out the model to get that going? And that's kind of the path we first were looking at. And we were fortunate enough to land a couple of very large contracts right out of the bat to do consulting work, building customized models, uh, stochastic models for people on drilling and that sort of thing. So we were able to fortunately bootstrap all the way through off the back of those contracts. That's never awesome. had to take money, never had to do anything. And I mean, last year was our first real full year and it was quite successful. So hopefully we can continue to grow on that and we'll be able to continue to self-fund fund our growth as well. I love it. Yeah, I mean, if you can do, do that, that as that's, as a, that's, can. A way, that's the way to go, right? I mean, that that's awesome. How was it selling these financial institutions on y'all services? Because I'm sure they're pretty reserved, right? Wait, was that the first to, clients? Was it the finance finance guys, or did you guys start with the EMPs? Uh, actually, the very first client was Oilfield Service. Okay, and a big Oilfield Service company. Really? So, yeah. what's what's the angle from an OFS? It was building a stochastic drilling model, so they could quantify their risk in areas where they drill. I, won't, I can't That's, go into yeah, a whole yeah, lot yeah, more yeah. detail than that. But, um, <laughs> it, so, yeah, that was a big. It was a year long project. It was uh, it was great for us. It got us going. Uh, tier two would been would have been the um, the hedge fund guys, and a lot of that came from just prior contacts and, and mm -hmm. the Rolodex. And as John said earlier, those are guys always looking for an edge. So it was it's it's an easier sell to them sometimes. 
Yeah. How have things changed, Fred, since your days at Enron to today in oil and gas? You know, are there, you know, back back in the Enron days, were people still, you know, utilizing technologies like this, you know, trying to find an edge or is it more so, is it more prevalent today? You know, en- Enron was kind of its own animal. So they had their own commercial intelligence group inside Enron. They didn't really talk about a whole lot. That always, you know, I know it's a joke now, but, you know, being the smartest guy in the room, that was what drove them is if if I'm trading, I need an edge because mm-hmm. everybody has the same sources of information. Either I'm smarter in analyzing it or I want additional information or I want unique information. So they try to do both, unique information plus analyze it better. And for the most part, when it came to trading, we were smarter than most of the people out there. Um, it wasn't as much the data analytics side as just just finding anomalies in the market or, or pieces of information. Now it's much more of a data-driven animal than it ever was back then. Mm-hmm. And do you think that, you know, is it in terms of getting an edge, so whether you're an EMP, whether you're a financial institution, is there so much public data available that it's very hard to get an edge or is it still fairly untapped to where you can get a lot of information you know think about like i look at mineral funds all the time you know highly competitive they have you know they all have the same the same tax rolls the same access to mineral buyers so it seems like it's hard to get an edge and a lot of these guys are starting to look to software you know how can they cut down on their due diligence time etc cetera, etc cetera. On the EMP space, do you see it as there's so much public data available that it, you can't really get an edge, or is it still fairly untapped? It's a it's a blend, really. Um, some of it's untapped, and 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 some of it's you know part of it's just really taking data points that you do have and creating interesting data points out of those existing ones. So, for example, uh, you know, public oil and gas, you have surface hole, bottom hole data, and then you also have a true vertical depth. So with that, I can I can actually digitize and create a wellbore, and then use those digitized wellbores to calculate spacing, pairwise well spacing from those three data points, which are available in every single state that yeah. don't require me to have you know to have to have digitized well surveys, which are you know difficult to come by depending on the regulatory environment, but also expensive to procure if you're you're you know they, they are public. Yeah, so you can take those you know take your three data points and you can actually visualize it and then calculate your spacing off of that. That's, exactly. Yeah. That's really cool. You know, I think when we look at technology, even things like that, I mean, it would be like, you know, four or five years ago, yeah, you'd have to go get your directional survey and, you know, you'd actually have to figure out, okay, you know, this well bore, you know, it's going at, you know, this direction, this azimuth, et cetera, et cetera. But now with technology, you know, if you can just take those three points, plot them out and digitize it, and then you can kind of get an idea of what the field looks like. That's, um, you know, how do you, how do you guys do that? I mean, is that all done in Spotfire? Is Spotfire capable of those visualizations? Yeah, it's uh, it's all done in Spotfire. Um, and, and, you know, Quantum is a, is a tool. We, we purposely built this in a way in which you can hand it to anyone in your organization and it works. So there's no plugins, no packages, everything's built from the ground up. So like, can someone like me use it? Oh, someone yeah. that's not, you know, I, I can use it. So if I can use it, <laughs> if Fred you know. can use it, anyone can use that's it. That's right. I, yeah. I'd never heard of Spotfire until John and I started doing this. So um, that's one of the reasons we built it to be able to use by almost anybody, whether you're an analyst, whether you're an engineer. And, you know, I am an engineer, so I can say whenever I see built by engineers for engineers, I usually start laughing because I know it's going to be clunky and a pain in the ass to work <laughs> with, right? Because we're engineers, we yeah. don't build 
fan, you know, we don't build the user interface very well. We just don't. So yeah. that was one of our goals when, when we did this was anybody's got to be easily be able to pick this up and, and figure out how to use it. Yeah, I think that's so important. I mean, if you look traditionally at software and oil and gas, it, it's not so much a, a big deal anymore, but you look at some of these programs and it's like, man, this is written in early 2000s. It's yeah. just clunky. The user inter interface is terrible. And, you know, a lot of the tech companies that you've seen that are getting a lot of steam in the space, I mean, they just look, they look good and they're easy to use. And I think it is important that, you know, you don't have to be an engineer to go in and, and mine data from software that you just, you know, have a entry level analyst pick it up and use it. And I think that's really important. So what are some of the, uh, you know, primary, like, what, what are some of the coolest features of, of y'all's product that think you like? Building on, on that last point, one of it's just usability. The interface is, it's really clean, modern, easy to use, um, you know, for how much, other industries put into the way their product looks, feels, and interacts with their their customers. Um, you know, for some reason, a lot of engineering tools don't have that same kind of rigor. Uh, so, you know, where Facebook's A/B testing with the color of a button, you know, we just slap a thousand buttons and figure out which one gets clicked later. Yeah. Uh, so, our our first our first stab at, at things had to look good and be easy to use. So whether you are a petroleum engineer or you're a financial analyst. You can still do decline curve analysis. You can still do full suite economics, and it's it's it looks good. It's easy to show. You can slap it straight into a presentation out of our product, and it's it's immediately board ready. And there's not a lot out there that that does that. Yeah, I think I was extremely impressed. Obviously, I was impressed with the UI. I think it looks absolutely fantastic, um, but also just the ability to do batch declines on like an entire basin at a time is just absolutely nuts to me compared to how it's been done traditionally in an Aries or a PhD win. And I think this is also another great example. This is something I've been, it, this topic keeps coming up over the last few weeks is that sometimes people think that they come up with a good idea or they think, oh, it's, it's such a simple idea or simple concept that somebody had to have done it. And it blows my mind that nobody had done this sooner, right? But yeah. yet here we are and you guys are still the only ones doing, a, actually merging the volumes, you know, from the decline curves and be able to run that with the actual financial side and pairing it up with evaluation. Yeah, it's, I mean, our, our workflow is to take people, uh, and some of these people are still kind of clawing at it and trying to still use Excel, but taking those Excel users, uh, so your investment banks, your private equity, your hedge funds. Which is still a lot, which of, is a lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Excel is everywhere. Um, and getting those people into a, an interface and a workflow that's, that's A, easier, faster, uh, but you know, just, just makes sense to do it. So if, you know, why, why go and use Excel solver to fit a decline when I can run thousands of declines in a, in a minute mm -hmm. and, and be able to automate a lot of that workflow, just, it frees me up to do other analytical things and actually put my brain power towards solving real problems rather, rather than having to do that mundane workflow that a lot of people are trapped doing. Mm -hmm. So up to this point, you guys have been kind of a combination between consulting and then the data product. What does the future of Intertel look like? Are you guys going to lean more to one side or are you guys going to keep doing exactly what you're doing? Well, so this year is really more of a turning. You know, last year was probably more consulting than it was, you know, <clears throat> product licensing and that. And we're trying to shift that balance so mm -hmm. we, we have more product going out. It, it is a, it's a fine mix. Obviously, the consulting, the unique um, bespoke work we do pays very well, but it's a resource drain. It's tough where... We take quantum, we license it out, 
there's not much of anything we even have to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of the mailbox money coming in. It's, a, it's scalable. It's scalable. It's, it's really nice that way. So we want to head more towards a higher percentage of our revenue being being on the on that side. The one good thing you also get from consulting though is we get new ideas. Mm-hmm. So we look at new capabilities we learn because you know the spacing module piece came up mostly because people are asking us, "Can you do a spacing module? Can you use?" After a while, you go, "This is something somebody wants. Let's just make that a feature." Mm-hmm. So the consulting also helps us learn new features to add into into quantum. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a really tight, I guess, uh, customer feedback loop you got there. So you can understand because if most likely if somebody's like one company, one client is going to ask for it, you're going to probably at least have three, four, 20 other companies that are also going to want it as well. You know, which is, it's kind of hard to still have that same feedback loop if you're purely just doing a data product, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And it's, it's very much, uh, even though we're, we're analytics heavy, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're a technology company. Um, it, it's still very much evolve or die. We can have a great product, but if it doesn't evolve with the requests and needs of mm-hmm. our users, you know, it's it's going to stagnate very very quickly. So we're constantly looking for new features, new you know new new things we can add that are a lot of the time come straight from our customers that are using it and be like, it'd be great if it did this. And so we we add it in. Well, it's good you guys are going public facing now. I had a uh, private equity fund reach out to me a few weeks ago and they're like, hey, have you heard of Intertel? And I was like, yeah, I know these guys, Fred, CIA, so they're underground right now. They're, they're top <laughs> secret. But I think now that, you know, you guys are kind of starting to put yourselves out there, um, I think that you can have a really uh, welcoming response from the industry because the product's good. And, you know, I think that it's something that the industry needs right now. So, you know, where if, where can people find you guys if they're listening and they want to reach out to you? Do you have website launch? Yeah, our, uh, our website's uh, intertelladvisors.com. Okay, uh, and that's Intertel, E N E R T E L, uh, which is we we always joke it's a, it's a combination of energy and intelligence, so it plays on on Fred's fancy CIA background. <laughs> <laughs> you got to man. I mean, Ex- if you have it, you got to play off exactly, of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were actually before we started recording on the mics, we were talking about uh, some tech startups in Israel, and uh, Fred chimed in, and I forgot that he had all that that experience so it's definitely something that you got to play off of if you have it so okay well we'll leave uh, in the show notes we'll leave a, a link to intertel's website so you can check it out there we'll also uh, leave link to uh, fred and uh, jonathan's linkedin profile so that they can uh, reach out to you if needed so guys appreciate you coming on the show uh, i'm really excited to see what you guys do now that you're kind of starting to put yourselves out there i think uh 2020 is going to be a big one for you Hope yes so. so unlike a lot of other episodes we haven't used most people's products we've used their products extensively uh so we can vouch for it it's good stuff so please reach out to those guys if you feel like they can help it's got the digital wildcat or seal of approval <laughs> <laughs> get the blue check there you go uh so thanks for tuning in for another episode guys uh we will catch you guys on the next one come, 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 come.